I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, Mama. A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. It is The Real Brian Show. Welcome back to another Wednesday interview. It's hump day. Today I get to chat with an incredible artist, but not just a standard artist. He's a digital artist. Our guest today, Brian C. Roll, specializes in the realm of art that, man, I just absolutely love. Things to nerd out about, superheroes, sci-fi, fantasy, etc. I mean, you name it. I wanted to chat with Brian to hear more about his journey as an artist and how he got from the dream to reality. Let's rock it! Well, again, thank you seriously so much for joining me here. I am the O'Brien. I'm excited. I love doing these interviews. I have so much fun with them. I get to find... First of all, I just get to connect with people. I love connecting with people. I love meeting them and talking with them and hearing their story and then finding out those things. It's just... Ah, oh, it's so cool. And today, I'm excited to bring on Brian C. Roll. I first met him at Heroes and Villains Fan Fest in Secaucus, New Jersey during the snowpocalypse of January 2016 or Snowmageddon. And it was really a, a kind of a an interesting experience. You know, we got there, we knew there was a storm coming, and we got totally blizzarded in. But here was what's funny, okay? Being from Colorado, when we get a couple feet of snow, oh, you know, it might slow things down a little bit, but it's, you know, whatever. It's manageable. But there, we didn't even get two feet of snow. I think it was maybe 18 inches or something like that, and it shut down the whole city uh, and, and what I learned from that, very interestingly enough, is that, you know, they just are not outfitted for it there as much as we are here in Colorado. Um, and here's the thing, too. Being a little bit higher elevation, the sun can help melt the streets faster. And one thing, and I know we talked about this, um, that, uh, you know, in, in certain areas of Colorado, too, they bury the power lines, which makes so much sense. Because if snow comes and you've got power lines above ground, then, uh, huh, the power goes out. That's bad. So, man, I'm so thankful. So thankful for the infrastructures that we have here locally, especially after being out there. But it was such a fun time, honestly, getting snowed in because a lot of, well, they, they actually shut down the first day of Heroes and Villains because, you know, it, it was basically deemed unsafe to travel. And so people that had stayed in the, in the hotels were able to get together and do stuff, but we didn't have any panels that day. And what was so cool is a lot of the actors that were there and artists and other people, we all got a chance to just hang out. We were over at Carabas and it was cool. Very cool time. I was tasked with hosting a panel with digital artists and interviewing three of them and Brian being one of those artists. And it was such a fantastic panel. And honestly, it surprised me about what I had learned and also just having a, an understanding more of the world of digital art. I had no idea. Okay, so normally I, I like to bring people on here who don't have to compete with the name of the show. So, you know, we got, we're going to have a little bit of a problem here, but here on The Real Brian Show, I'm bringing another Brian on. Brian C. Roll, welcome to The Real Brian Show. I have to say, um, I'm a little offended by the name of the show. Yeah. Actually, funny story, uh, when we were first introduced through email, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> when you were going to be doing, um, you know, the moderating of, of my panel at Heroes and Villains, someone introduced you as The Real Brian, and I was like, 
are they saying I'm not a real Brian? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really understand what's going on. And then I, I had no idea that was like your, you know, your stage name or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> my feelings of insult were, you know, soon dissipated. So, oh, well, that's disappointing because I do, I do my best to try to, you know, insult people and, and offend people as much as possible. Yeah. That's, I do realize that about you. Yeah. You are certainly like that. Yeah, man. You know, it is funny because when I when I was coming up with, a, a, you know, a radio name, for lack of a better term and all that podcast name, whatever, I, you know, because I was going by the shadow over on Aero Squad and, and I'd done some stuff. But I thought, you know, for a business podcast, when I was doing profit cast and some other stuff, I thought you know, the shadow is not going to go over too well in the business community. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess you could be like an insider. And of course, then you might get in trouble for like insider trading or something. But oh, yeah, you know, being a Brian somebody called me B, you know, like, you know, people call you B or something for your initial. Yeah. And they're like, be real at one point. And I thought that's, it's kind of like a rapper name. Uh, (laughs) And I thought, you know, like a nineties rapper name. So I probably shouldn't be doing that, you know, but it kind of got me fits your style too. Oh yeah. You know, I could be, you know, putting down some fat beats or something, but anyway, I, so I, I think that's kind of where the real Brian came from, but I didn't even think about it when I put that out there and I started going by the real Brian it wasn't until I got an email from another Brian on ProfitCast that said, so I'm offended by your name. And he was totally joking, but I'm offended by your name. You know, you're the real Brian. What does that make me? Yeah. And I said, what do you want to be made? And then I think he came up with like the, uh, the, the one true Brian, I think is what it was. When nice. I'm like, see, there you go. Every Brian's got to have something. So I'm the real Brian. He's the one true Brian. So, but then somebody else asked me at one point, you know, not a Brian. If you're the real Brian, what does that make every other Brian? And I said, invalid. (laughs) (laughs) You're not invalid, though. Don't worry, man. So we got to come up with a, a, you know, what's a good one here? Like the you're going to find this hard to believe. I actually have a friend named Brian Roll. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's weird. It's always funny. People that don't know that there's another one out there or that we're friends. If we comment on each other's like Facebook posts, inevitably, there's someone that goes, wait, there's. There's more than one. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, so there you go. That's where you need to have, you know, the ultimate Brian role or the only. Well, he doesn't have a, a middle initial. So that's, okay, that's, true. that's, that's how I separate myself from him. Let's see. So, uh, so C, don't tell me. Uh, okay. C stands for cunning, something like that. Am, am, I, am I on the right track here? No, that's more of a, an <laughs> adjective or... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love it. No, no, let it be a mystery. We'll leave it at that. All right. So tell me uh, something a little bit about you or that you've done that most people don't know. In high school, I stopped taking art classes because I didn't really like the teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up doing a lot of self-teaching. I read a lot of books. I, one of my favorite things was to go to Barnes and Noble and go to the, the art section and pretty much always left with some kind of how-to art book. Hmm. And so for basically three years in high school, I wasn't taking any formal art classes. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, if you're an artist and you do it for a living, you've been through all the formal training and everything. And not true. Okay, that's interesting. So, you know, you were devouring art books, basically. Yep. I had Nicholas McCarthy on recently, and he was talking about the same kind of thing, you know, but with pianos, how much you would just devour uh, music and, and understanding it and, and learning it. And that's something that I'm seeing now as a commonality is, is people that have their trade seem to just pour themselves into something that they love so much. And then it turns into a, 
not just a career, but a lifestyle, you know, something they can be passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's really been only two things in my life that I've poured myself into like that. And that's art and baseball. You know, once I got to the point where my body couldn't do the baseball anymore, that's when it, it really shifted and it was art all the time. So you retired from the major leagues and decided it's, it's time for art. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Except for the whole major league thing. That's uh, that, that never happened. (laughs) That's really cool though. Uh, the reason why you, you proceeded more towards the art simply because you're like, I can't really, you know, physically take the baseball anymore. Or was it more of, of like art was also that kind of passion that was driving. Well, I kept up with art through all the baseball. Uh, you know, when I was in college, I was an art major, which was extremely difficult because in college you have um, a lot of studio classes for mm-hmm. art. Studio classes are you know, two and a half to three hours long between that and, you know, your, your practice schedule for baseball and strength and conditioning workouts and and all that kind of stuff. It was just uh, a lot of long hours. You know, there aren't a whole lot of art majors that do sports. So there was always kind of this, not a full understanding from coaches and other players and stuff. Not that they, you know, were bad about it, but it was just kind of like, it was difficult because, you know, they're taking classes that are 50 minutes long. You know, if they missed a class for a road trip or something like that, you know, they could make it up or they could do reading or something like that when we're on the bus or, you know. And for me, it was like, oh, yeah, well, I can't really bring like my easel and paints and stuff with us. <laughs> yeah, I kind of butted heads with a lot of the the professors, the art professors as well, because a lot of them were really into kind of fine art, mm. which isn't the best way to make a living yeah. unless you're dead. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to learn things that would help me make a living. Finally, my last year there, I had a couple of professors that I really got along well with and really kind of helped me figure out a, a direction, I would say. That, okay. This is really interesting that you're bringing this up because, you know, I, I, I did a business well, first it was a business major and then turned into a public relations major, but I had that music minor. And the only reason I didn't do a music major was almost exactly what you're saying there is that they were so focused on, like, if you're going to have a music major, you're going to perform classical music at Carnegie Hall. Right. And I didn't want to do that because I'm yeah. like, I like classical. I've learned a lot. It's fun to listen to, but I wanted to compose modern music and I wanted right. to learn modern stuff. And it's the same kind of thing where you know, I actually took a, a composition class that they had offered. It was a, a, you know, a brand new class and I was learning some ins and outs about, you know, some composition stuff, which that was good, but they had this so-called expert come in and <laughs> he took this song that I wrote that by the way, everybody that heard it loved it. They're like, Oh, this is beautiful. Like you did such a great job. He came in and he changed it to this. Uh, and if you don't understand what I'm talking about, you know, and not just you, but anybody listening, 20th century style music. And in my opinion, it is completely non-beautiful, but some people find beauty in it just like fine art, like you're talking about, uh, which is fine. Right. But I I look at some of those styles as again, just like you said, it is for the, uh, the literary people who Mm -hmm. love to basically show off to other literary people. And when they're dead, it becomes popular with certain groups. And that's very true. I mean, that that's a lot of the music that I was exposed to as well. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like I want to do the modern stuff, just kind of like you're talking about, like something that makes money, something that's a little bit more popular. 
And everyone's like, yes, but the classics, you know, you have to learn the classics. And I said, dude, when Mozart was alive, what did he do? He composed music that was, as he put it, this is new. This is nothing yeah. anybody said. It's popular. People are going to love it. It's only classic now because he's dead, right? <laughs> so this is, I don't know. We're going off on a tangent here, but what is it with like institutions teaching like old school ways, no pun intended, but, but thing, things that just don't seem applicable in today's world. I mean, is this, was that kind of your experience? The professors that I, I feel like I learned the most from were professors that were teaching subjects that were a little bit more modern. I mean, yeah. one of them was computer animation, <laughs> which yeah, awesome. uh, when I was in college was really new. And then the other one was uh, graphic design, which was like Photoshop and mm-hmm. Illustrator and things like that. My favorite period of art was the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was the closest thing to the things that I liked, which, you know, comic books, movies, stuff like that, where it's kind of a fantastical version of reality. So that was the most fascinating to me because that's what I wanted to do. You know, especially a lot of the more like modern stuff where you get into things and it's like, you know, a solid color square on a canvas. And it's like, <laughs> how is that art? Like, yeah. I don't I don't understand. And so anytime yeah. I would hand in assignments that were, you know, a little bit more realistic, it was always like, oh, well, this is too commercial and this is too blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, yeah, I want to make a living. I need to eat. <laughs> yeah. I understand that some people like certain things. And then of course, one of the things I always used to hear, you know, in the, in the radio and the music industry was I hate top 40 music. I only listen to indie bands. Right. Yeah. Which is the same kind of thing, right? Well, that's too, too commercial. I get it. I understand. Um, but you know, there is something to be said about catchiness too. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and it's fine if that's your opinion, but you're supposed to be teaching me skills and techniques, not, kind of narrowing my my vision i mean yeah you need to take what someone's good at or or what works for someone and and nourish that not not clone people not change people yeah i think the worst kind of teaching yeah just like you said they try to clone you they try to make you fit into a certain box or a certain style of education or whatever or they say hey you know this works And then when you get down to it, you realize that it works for a certain personality type, but it does not work for all personality types or, you know, people's everybody's different, right? Everybody's got different strengths. Everybody's got different nuances and there's no way a one size fits all education, I think is one of the worst possible educations out there. And yet that's most of what I see, uh, not, not just in the institutions, but also even in coaching and stuff like that in general. So yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with you, man. I think that, um, you know, being able to understand somebody's strengths, personality, style, et cetera, is what allows, I mean, I'm not a good teacher personally, but it's what allows a good teacher to be able to actually help. Right. So you didn't get, well, you got some good teaching, but not a lot of it, but did you, did you have to figure a lot of this stuff out on your own then? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I graduated college, I just started messing around with Photoshop on my own did enough with it to put together a little bit of a portfolio and a resume, get my first job. Pretty much everything I learned was under fire on the job. I mean, that was, it really sold me on that being the best teaching method really is. Yeah. (laughs) The thing I love about your story though, is, you know, you, you go from, 
basically, you know, what you're talking about here, but then you go to, you know, working in, in the corporate world, but now, you know, you're doing your thing, you're doing your passion, you're, you're pursuing it. You figured out a way to make it work. And of course I know, you know, it's not been a difficult, it's not been an easy journey. It's been a very difficult one. Uh, but I, I, I'm curious just to, you know, do like a brief, brief walkthrough of how you got from point A to where you're at right now. I definitely wanted to do art for a living for most of my life. Mm-hmm. I was definitely in a creative job. I started as a graphic designer. You know, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever because we made merchandise for movies and television shows and video games and stuff like that. I mean, That's awesome. all the stuff you see in, in the store, yeah, merchandise is just such a huge part of media nowadays. I mean, that's where a lot of the money is actually made for these movies and such. There was, oh, I don't know, five or six people in our office. I was the only graphic designer on staff. I was doing pretty much everything. I learned a lot. I, I had been doing conventions kind of on the weekends, just as a side thing. Let's see, 2014, I believe, uh, New York Comic Con. I had a table in Artist Alley. This particular year, I decided, you know, I can't take a whole day off of work. So I'll just do a half day at work and I'll go in and I'll set up. And yeah, the show will be open, but, you know, no big deal. I'll, I'll probably won't miss that much. I'm driving into the city to set up and I'm getting like text messages and people are hitting me up on Twitter. We're at your table. Where are you? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that's weird. I still wish I had taken pictures of this. I get there and there is a huge crowd around my empty table. Wow. And I couldn't, I could not believe it. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced before. I had done an exclusive for the show and, and everybody was there waiting for the exclusive. It was a, an arrow exclusive. Stephen Amell was at the show. So that certainly helped. I had never sold more than 25 copies of a, uh, a single image at a, a convention mm. uh, before that show. And so I printed 50 of this exclusive thinking that I was really going out on a limb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, you know, I was going to have them left over and all this kind of stuff. And it was gone within two hours of me getting to the show. <laughs> wow. You know, I still had three and a half days left of the convention. So that was one of the first things that was kind of like, Man, if I could, if I could do this a couple times a year, that would be uh, that would be pretty good for the uh, the old wallet. <laughs> yeah. Well, not to uh, mention you're finding that people are are just loving what you're doing. Um, but it yes. also was a niche, like you said. You were at a convention. You did an Arrow exclusive. Stephen Amell's there, so there's like you've already drawn the well that got conventions drawn the people that yeah. are there for Arrow and and you know for 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 that at least that genre that kind of thing. Uh, and then by putting out that kind of work, it's like people are going, oh, I want that. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was pretty awesome. Well, I mean, I, I have to say, too, for those listening who have never seen your work, Brian, it's uh, it's incredible. And and it's cool because the wall that's going to be directly behind where, uh, you know, the the um, webcam is. Oh, I want to cool. start doing videos. The wall is going to be featuring, you know, uh, all of the superhero artwork, which is primarily yours. All but two pieces are yours. So. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. And then also, I'm so excited about that Firefly one, man. It's a full-size poster of the Firefly cast. Glorious. Yeah, um, that was another. That was my best seller until I did that Arrow piece. Wow. 
Which era was it? It was um, the the one from season one where he's got the grease paint on his eyes and he's in the rain. Oh, the one I have too. Yep. Oh man, yeah. That's that's probably my favorite piece of yours. That's the first piece I got because that was the one where we met at in Secaucus in January of last year. That's been a, yep. Snowmageddon. I know Snowmageddon was a great time though. By the way, speaking of that, are you going to be doing some kind of a four show crossover painting? We're going to be doing a subscription club with quarterly shipments. Each one of the the quarterly shipments is going to have one piece that's exclusive to the club, and it's going to be based on the the four shows. And and the thing that's going to be really fun about it is uh, if you get all four and you link them up, they actually all combine to form one really big one. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! So it's called a uh, quadriptych. I'm going to need to buy a new place. So that I have more wall space. (laughs) (laughs) The first shipment is slated for March. And then every three months, it'll be another shipment. We're we're calling it the uh, Torchlight Society. Okay, nice. Which is, if your listeners uh, go to my website, you'll see, you know, our our company name is Odyssey Art. Mm -hmm. And the O in Odyssey is a torch. Um, So we have a lot of things that play off of that. You know, like our, our newsletter is, is, News by Torchlight and, and things like that. So nice. um, Torchlight Society, you know, if you become a member, you get a welcome kit, which is also going to have an exclusive uh, piece in it. You're going to get a membership card, which will have a, a, a code related to it. So you get 10% off in our online store and at conventions, exclusive access to convention exclusives before mm. the cons even happen. Nice. And then you're also each quarter you get a shipment that's going to include three prints. Uh, one print will be the exclusive uh, part of the quadriptych. One piece will be part of my alter ego series, and the other piece will be something current that we're releasing around the time of the shipment. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. Well, no, that's neat that you're doing that. I really appreciate. It. You know, you're you're coming up with cool new business ways too, and I know the subscription model is becoming huge now and. You know, but they're always excited about getting something that's exclusive and something that is, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's a one up, right? Because, hey, nobody else is going to get it unless you're part of the club. So I I think it's cool. I think it's a neat thing. So now I got to ask this, though, and and I know uh, we're going to kind of wrap up here in a few minutes, but I mean, just kind of understanding. I mean, I think it's cool. Now, granted, being that I'm a nerd and, you know, I I embrace that very much, (laughs) but I think it's cool that as an artist, you get a chance to do, you know, stuff like arrow and flash and supergirl and legends of tomorrow but you also get to do you know stuff like um you know like firefly but you yeah. obviously have an opportunity to do some really cool artwork i called it in the nerdy genre because hey and that's a cool thing you know <laughs> but, geek realm geek realm oh well yeah that's true the geek nerd yeah okay we'll go with that geek realm is awesome but i love how you've had that opportunity obviously there's a huge demand for it it's a niche. People are, are are soaking this stuff up. I mean, just even being around your table at a couple of, I guess it was what, two, three cons, mm-hmm. two or three cons that we were at. So cool to see how many people would line up and look at your work and purchase things and, and that kind of thing. And it, it's amazing. It's amazing work, um, but it's such a cool genre because most artwork is very, I'm going to call it pretty generic, right? <laughs> or, or like it's what they, they call, you know, what's the cool thing to do? So, we're going to have artwork of uh, outdoor scenes, um, right. which is amazing. I love that kind of stuff too. But a lot of times, 
like my favorite artwork is unique and in the uh, as you put it the geek realm i love that stuff i know yeah. it's not considered you know like you said fine art but who cares right <laughs> unless you're into that who cares right yeah yeah i think i think a lot of it comes down to the fact that uh the geek realm is so much more socially accepted now i'm kind of like you in that i've been a geek my whole life you know when i was in high school and stuff it wasn't cool like oh i know, <laughs> you know? and even in even in college i yeah. would read you know comics on the on the bus for baseball and kind of get weird looks and comments and stuff and now it's kind of like well yeah everybody is a geek in some you know oh, some yeah. way i mean i've been doing conventions as an artist setting up to sell seeing how the the crowd has changed and evolved over the years is is really interesting too you know a lot more women are at conventions now yeah you get a lot more i'm trying to think of a politically correct way to say this but nah, this is a politically incorrect show go for it well a lot more <laughs> non-geeks at these oh, things oh, oh yeah yeah people who it, don't fit the stereotype is what you're saying yes exactly yeah exactly yeah i would say you and i don't fit the stereotype but no i mean the geek realm is is just kind of the realm now <laughs> yeah so i think what we're seeing now is is that those that were closet nerds are are finally like, hey, cool, I can be myself now and I don't have to hide it anymore. So yeah. that's why, yeah, you're probably seeing less of the stereotype and more of just people who just, you know, enjoy certain things that they nerd or geek out about, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy that it's become popular, but I'm I'm glad it has. And especially in, in your artwork, too, it's it's neat to see that, you know, you get to embrace your passion for artwork, but also embrace your passion for your interests, the stuff that you actually enjoy, you know, doing art around yeah and i've noticed a a definite correlation between drawing things that i'm into and how well things sell i might draw something that is popular that isn't my favorite thing or i don't know that much about you know i'm not going to say that the artwork is bad but it definitely doesn't sell the way the stuff sells that like the firefly poster Mm -hmm. i freaking love firefly yeah I don't know. That must come through somehow because that sells really well. I was the same way when I was at my job. When we would work on properties that I didn't really know anything about, I wanted to learn about them so that I could develop them in a way that spoke to the fans. You know, even if it's subtle things here and there, I think I think people pick up on that. So I think it's amazing, and I'm glad you said that too, because I, I hear this a lot, especially in the world of business, and we heard this with podcasting, is, you know, pick something you're passionate about, but then they'll say, but if you want to make money, you got to find what people are looking for. Yeah. And sometimes you'd see people say, pick something you're passionate about, make sure it's in line with what people want. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that got thrown out, but I have to fully agree with everything you just said there, that when you're excited about your artwork, People will be too. Now, not everybody's going to like it, of course, and that's fine because, you know, you can't please everybody, but they'll be excited about your work because you are excited about it. And it's like when I first launched the Real Brian show, I was trying to pander to what other people wanted mm-hmm. uh, because that's what I was told to do. And so I just followed the advice. And, you know, the first few episodes, you know, they're good. They're great. I, I had some awesome guests on, but it wasn't me. And I had to take a break. I had to step back for a couple of weeks, figure some things out and then, and then come back and say, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is the passion that I have. And uh, it's the excitement that I have. And, you know, I'll be more, whatever, more engaged with it. Right. But I still want people to be 
I want them to resonate with it. I want them to enjoy the show, of course, but I can't do anything for anyone if I don't love what I'm doing as well. That's when things took off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, what you were saying, you know, do what people are looking for. I think people are looking for passion. Totally. You know, yeah, whether, that's true. whether the topic you're discussing is something people are looking for or not, the fact that you're doing it passionately is, is what people are going to be drawn in by. Yeah, that's so true. That's a really, and I like the way you said that people are looking for passion because, you know, unfortunately, I know a lot of people that have, for lack of a better term, boring lives, mm. you know, and not necessarily that's, that's not what they set out to do. That's not the intention. And of course there's uh there's good excitement and there's bad excitement. So, you know, I wouldn't want to waste sure. the bad excitement on people, you know, but people do have kind of, you know, day to day, whatever, you know, just another day, blah, 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 whatever, kind of looking for some excitement, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like you, you hear that. So you're right. I think people are looking for people who have passion and who have uh, a purpose in life and a desire to go out there and, and they want, they want some of that. Yeah. I think they feel it in your, in your work too, because I mean, I do, I, that's the cool part about your work that even I saw is, Okay, now granted, being a you know a nerd of the DC shows, there's there's a thing to say. Hey, you captured their face well, mm-hmm. but it's not just that when it comes to art. I feel like you have to capture the emotion, or like you'll see this in pictures, you know, because I, I like taking pictures. And if you take a picture of an animal, you focus in on their eyes because right. then you can capture the essence of of their their being, you know, or whatever it is. And so I feel like you've done that with your art. Is it's not just you know, all oh, that looks really cool or it's talented or it's very realistic or that looks like Supergirl. It's more of like when I look at your picture of Supergirl, I'm like, that feels like Melissa Benoist. <laughs> it's weird, but it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. All right. Well, let's do this. How do we get in touch with you? How do we find your art? Subscribe everything we need to know so that when I want to want to get your, your work out there, man. So the, thank you. I appreciate that. The uh, the main place is, is my website, odysseyart.net. O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y-A-R-T dot net. From there, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. You can uh, see new stuff getting added. And there's also plenty of links to all of our social media. We probably do the most on Facebook. Right now, it's only on our Facebook page, but we have a, a schedule for upcoming conventions. Well, very cool. So basically, and I'll have all these in the show notes as well, but um, basically, Odyssey Art net is really where everything is and you can connect to everything from that point. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's, be uh, that's got links to pretty much everything. Excellent. Of course, I'll have everything in the show notes, but you know, that way you can remember it. Odysseyart.net. Very easy to go. Pursuing something that, you know, has meant so much to you. What's uh, what's one piece of advice or encouragement that, you know, you've learned and lived with in your journey that, you know, you can pass on. One of the things that, that really pushed me to finally take the leap and go out on my own was a book called You Are a Badass. Oh, yeah. Uh, by Jen Sincero. And one of the things that she talks about is just do. You learn a lot more by doing than by kind of planning and thinking. And that's certainly something I've, I've found. You can always kind of make corrections on the fly or you can fix things as you go. But if you're kind of forever planning and never doing then, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. I completely agree with that. In fact, I actually started listening to that book and I never finished it. I'll tell you what, I have experienced the exact same thing. There's something to be said about planning and thinking anyway, but to an extent, you know, plan it out and then rock it, make it happen, get out there. 
Uh, you know, you get stuck in that paralysis by analysis or, or, you know, you get stuck on, well, what if, what if fear things nothing yeah. happens, you know, you just get stuck and you never go anywhere ever. Uh, but I agree sometimes just, you know, just go for it. You'll figure it out. You'll mess up. Of course. But you know what? Even if you plan, no matter how much planning and thinking you do, you're still going to mess up. Yep. So yeah, as, as Jen says, done is better than perfect. <laughs> oh yeah. What was a uh, uh, progress? Not perfection. I think is something that, um, yeah, uh, a couple couple coaches I had used to say all the time too. It's awesome. So I love it. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you being on the Real Brian Show, and um, you know you're a real Brian too, man. Don't worry, you're. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank I appreciate you. it. Well, I appreciate everything you do and everything, and uh, congratulations on all of the new things you know that you're working on and the new stuff coming out and finally getting a subscription thing going. Good luck with it. Uh, but again, thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. At the time of the recording, he had not launched the Torchlight Society membership. So I want you to go check it out right now. Odysseyart.net. You can find Torchlight Society, everything on there. It's very cool. I'm a part of it. I talked about it and I'm getting some of the art that he's doing. I just love it. I'm really, I'm I'm a huge supporter of Brian. I love what he does. Uh, But of course, all of the links, everything will be in the show notes. So make sure to go there. But some really great stuff. I really appreciate it. And some good advice. Brian, thank you so much. I'm excited. All right, Friday. Superhero Friday is coming up. Anything goes as always. So uh, join me. We'll we'll get insane. We'll have a great time. And oh man, just have a great rest of your week. Enjoy. Go to realbrianshow.com for show notes and to get in contact with me. Have a great day. I am The Real Brian and I'm signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.